We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us, and the word has been restored. You can take away the promise of the day we waited for. Oh, we are in the season of the coming of the Lord. Oh, we are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us, and the word has been restored. You can take away the promise of the day we waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. Amen. I think that's more clear than ever before. And I think you can look around and you can look at the riots and things that are in France. You can look at the immorality of, of America and Canada. You can look at the things that you hear and see constantly around you. But there's also another thing that's happening down here. We are closer than ever before. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Just before we came to service, I had a phone call from Sister Carol Lentz. She had to go to the hospital today. Her heart rate was up, and she had to take some medication, and she just wanted to have a word of prayer. So maybe we can just do that right now. If you just play something softly, Sister Julia. Heavenly Father, come here tonight. Thank you already for prayer that was offered. Thank you for the songs that were sung, Lord. Thank you for this little gathering. Lord, your eyes have been on it even before we came into this house, Lord, this, this tabernacle. Lord, you began to deal with each one of us. We prayed, we set our faces, and Lord, even for myself, Lord, as I've just felt you channel me in a certain way, I, I want to thank you. You have a mind, you have a purpose. And so tonight, we just want to yield to that. Lord, we desire that you would minister to us. We want to just step aside, as it were, Lord, and allow you to just speak and minister to our hearts. Father, we just pray that you'll be the speaker and you'll be the hearer. And now for our sister Carol, Lord, as she just requested prayer, Lord, such a faithful sister over the years, you've done great things for her and Brother Sam. Lord, they're still standing for this message, this truth. I pray, O oh Lord, that which is in the heart and the body that may be racing. I pray you will bring us settledness. I pray that you would restore it into its rightful place. Lord, the doctors can do their part. They can prescribe the medicine. They can maybe put forth something. But Lord, ultimately you are the healer. And Lord, no matter how young, how old we are, no matter how much the disease or the affliction Lord, healing is the same in all respects to you. We just want to believe it, Lord. It's already done. We believe that. And now tonight, as we just turn our focus on the Word, pray that you'll just gather us together in one mind, in one accord. Speak to us. Minister to us, we pray. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. We'll just turn in our Bible. Go directly to the Word, Isaiah chapter 51. Just want to greet you all. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Even in the summer when things are traveling and going, I'm glad there's a place we can come to. If we gather around a campfire or gather around a campground or gather in your home or around the table or just having devotions, sometimes in the summer we move our devotions, just go sit on the table. I, I have a little place in the backyard and I just found myself praying there one day and just kneeled down and prayed. It's a little bit of space, nobody's there. It's just good, good to be a Christian. Psalms chapter 51, let's just read from verse 1 to 3. Hearken unto me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. That's just stop and linger on that a little bit. Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. For the Lord will comfort, or shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Psalms chapter 40, just back a few chapters. Psalms chapter 40. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor as such, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Amen. We can't work up our salvation. We can't pay for it. We can't do enough works for it. But when we see what he did, something inside of us wants to make us serve him. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll invite you to go over to Galatians chapter 6. Tonight I'd like to speak from Isaiah 51. Remember the rock from whence you are hewn. Remember that. 
Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. We'll start reading in verse 14. This is Paul speaking. Now, we, we know he was Saul, known as Saul. God knew him all along as the one that would be the first star in his hand in the book of Revelations, how John declared the stars that were in the hand of Christ. But Paul, Saul, as he was known, Paul, now Paul is declaring something. Remember, a religious man who'd learned and knew all of these things, but he says this in verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit Amen. So Paul, this great apostle, the one that God foreknew, his beginnings were very auspicious. They were, they were a man who grew up the Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who, who was zealous for God, who actually persecuted the early Christian church, and who God even allowed to rail against them. And all the while, God knew that even what Paul was doing, God was going to do that as a work that would display itself later in him. And you, you and I can have this testimony, and maybe you've asked this question, Lord, why did it take so long for me to accept you? Why did I struggle with this so many years? Why do I still struggle with things? Why are there issues... God is working all of these things for our good in service unto him. So like Moses of old who was a proper child, he was taught of the right mother, he was, he was taught in the ways that he should go and that he would be raised up, and yet Moses tried to do it in his intellect. And in his intellect, all he got out of it was... Uh, the death of an Egyptian by which he was scared and ran from Pharaoh. And, and God allowed that to be there and then allowed Moses to be 40 years on the backside of a desert where he had to breed everything out of him and yet he would empower him or rebuild him even with those past failures as a part of his remembrance in moving forward. And God has to allow those things to be a part of us. He had to allow them to be a part of Paul, even when Paul went forward. Now, he would tell him on the road to Damascus, and I'll, I'll just read it the way Brother Branham would say it a little bit here in, in the message, and he would talk about Paul, and, and, and he would talk about how his conversion, I'll just read a little bit. Here he had these letters in his pocket 
to arrest all those people that were in that condition. And that was the charge he was given. And he was on his road down to a city called Damascus. And he had stoned Stephen. And Paul had him stoned, even gave witness, and held the coat. Now just think about it. God allowed that to happen. Let's listen to what Brother Branham talks about this. Now he'd go down there with and do the same thing and get rid of this great hindrance. And about noontime, around 11, 12 o'clock, he was stricken down. And he looked up and there was this light standing before him. And a voice coming out of the light saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What a revelation. That light, as a, as a Jewish scholar, he knew that that light was God. But yet he had to reconcile, you're persecuting me? Uh, how am I doing that? And, and he had to think on what he was doing. And that these people actually were a part of God. Now that's a good lesson for all of us. And it will do us good to recognize and remember that, that it would do the minister good when he comes behind the pulpit to recognize this is not just people that are sitting in front of me. This is the purchase of the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, far be it from me to take my own opinion and my own thought or to manhandle or to use it for my own selfish gain. But it's, it's a humbling position. And it also ought to reflect in our attitude, in our conduct to one another. And that we would remember that, that my wife who I, I see and wake up, or my husband, that, that, that man, that woman, that is actually a daughter or a son of God. And that would do us good to remember the children that God has given us. They were put in our home for a reason. And we need to have that element of respect that there's a part of God in them. So here is Paul when he's doing that. And Paul knew that these people had been following that same light that came out of Egypt. And here this light struck him down. Now, Paul, as, as he's talking, and, and you know, I read this thing. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul may have had physical marks that he could display Here's where I had 39 stripes. Here's where I had another 39 stripes. Brother Adam would say in one place that those 39 stripes represented 39 diseases that come upon mankind and do things. So Paul was even bearing that physically in his body. But more than that, Paul bore in his mind his past, his sin, his shame of how he had persecuted. And no doubt even the very thought of Stephen came to his mind as he was laying there waiting for Ananias to pray for him. And he was blinded and he began to think, you know, here I was, there was Stephen who I held his coat while they stoned him and that light that shone upon him and there was something about his face that I can't get behind. And, and Brother Branham would say this. And he says, Paul, even at the end of his life, he said, I'm not worthy to be called one of the saints. Now this, this stayed with Paul 
right through his whole life. And he said, I'm not worthy to be called one of the saints because I persecuted the church of God even to death. His consent to the stoning of the martyr Stephen never did get away from Paul. I persecuted the church even to death. It never got away from him because he seen Christ reflected. Brother Branham would talk when he was young and he was the older brother and he had a brother, I think it was Edward, that he went to school with and in the old school days you would go and there was a, a cloak room where you'd hang up your coats and then you'd hang up your coats and you'd leave your backpack or your lunch. It was part of the classroom. Some of you that are younger would never remember that. Some of us that are advanced in age remember that. But that's what they had and, and then you would leave that and then you would go into the classroom and you'd sit in the classroom and Brother Branham would talk about how Edward, his brother, died and he said, I would give anything to go back and talk to him for a minute. And then he remembered that time that his mo- the mother gave them some popcorn. And they took the popcorn and the bag to school to share. And in the middle of the class, Brother Branham excused himself. And he went out and he dug his hands and he ate some of that popcorn. And when they got together at lunch and his brother Edward looked at it and he says, hey, where did all of that go? I thought there was more. And Brother Branham would be seemingly innocent. Yeah, where did that go? Well, he knew exactly. But that stayed with him till when his brother died. And all of a sudden, oh. Now, he wasn't a Christian at that time, but with Christ And knowing the value of eternal life and that the deeds that we do here, it stayed with him. He began to think of his father who died in his arms. And he would would not only think of the the winer, the, the, the whiskey and the still, but he began to think of how he worked and how he labored. And he began to put those things before him and they began to have value. So there's a part of where we come from, a part of where we're at today. There was a price that was paid. There was blood. There was sweat. There was tears. And and we didn't get here just riding on a coattail that that we, you know, of, of our forefathers before us, that we could just sit and complain and, and, you know, whenever you start complaining too much, and we live in a generation that has got a sense of entitlement. I deserve this, and I deserve that. You know what they need to do? The cure for that is go back and ride where Abraham Lincoln rode. Go back and see the, the, the people that died for this land and died for Canada and the U.S., and, and they paid a price and, and get a reality check. Because when you see that, it humbles you. When you know that, it, it does something to you. And, 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 and he says, now, it never got away from him. But it began to reflect in Paul. And Brother Branham would say in, in the message, The Evening Messenger, his desire was to be a martyr because he killed Stephen. 
So even though he killed, he had no qualms about going to Rome. He had no qualms about going right to, 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 to Caesar. He had no qualms about being in jail. In other words, the past became his present. It did something in him, and it reflected in him. I, I'm saying this with a burden in my heart, friends. I, I, I come from a family where, and, and Brother Dan, you know this, and Brother Ben, you know this, because we're cousins, and our parents, they came out of World War II, and, and they had little to nothing, and they fought to get their way here. They paid a price. There was a lot of that, that even when they came here, there was next to nothing. Now listen, this isn't just a pity party for, for the generation that was before us. But there's something that they did that needs to carry on through us. So, so anyway, with, with that, here's Paul. And his desire was to be a martyr because he killed Stephen. He witnessed his death and he sanctioned it. He wanted to die. And Agabus the prophet told him not to go to Jerusalem. And he says... I'm willing to go, to go in chains and bound in Jerusalem, and I'm ready to go and die for the Lord Jesus. What was it? He was sealing his ministry. Oh, church of God, we could talk all night. How are we going to seal our message? Now, this is a question. How are we going to do it? God help us to take this word to stand gallant. Let me die by this word. Let me live by this word. Let me scatter the light. Friends, we're in that hour. Let's believe it. We are not just here on our own, but there's a great host that have gone before us. And they are waiting on us. And not just waiting on us to go through the motions, but to carry the burden that they carried in the grave and to project it forward and to take reverence and bring that into our service for God. We live in a generation that's so superficial. And, and everything, I, I have rights and I have this. And, you know, I, I'll tell you what, the cure for... The cure for entitlement, the cure for rights, is go back and see what happened in the beginning. Go back sometime. I, I, I love history. I, I learned it through architecture and things. And I, I would love to go when I traveled through Europe to the, to the great cathedrals. I, I love to go and see and look at and say, this is where so-and-so stood at that time. And, and brethren that have gone overseas and they, they viewed the place where Columba, one of the messengers, had. And he, and he had a little building and there was a little place. And this was where that man, this was that man stood this is where God was. Sister Terry, you were just in the Yukon, and you walked in the places where Brother Don Bablitz and Sister Helen were. And it meant something, because that was a part of your testimony. I, I think right now of my mother. She's 90. She may not live that long, but I, I appreciate her while she's here. I, I think of Sister Lydia Wild, who's in a hospital or in, in a hospice, and, and she's there, and, and what she did and how she gave. There's something we need to take and remember with all of that. Now, because we, we, we didn't get here where we got here just because somebody thought it's a good idea to have this church and do this. 
There was prayers. There was laboring. There was setting in forth families. Brother Ray, you, you, you grew up in a family that, hey, there was a musical background. And you are blessed by that. And, and we're blessed by it now too. But I thank God for all that have gone before us. It was Abraham Lincoln who stood up at the Gettysburg dress and, and he would talk about his country that was engaged in a great civil war. And he would, he would make the, the comments and he would make, make the statements and he would just say in, in all of that and in his famous speech, you know, I don't know if you know, but, but Lincoln, there was another orator who was paid to give a speech and they, there was orders that were given. Lincoln just went as an afterthought, and they thought, well, we can't let the president hear. They actually didn't even want him to speak. And they said, well, we'll let you speak for just a few minutes. And yet to this day, Lincoln's speech is more remembered than that other orator ever was. And he would just make a statement and said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. You know what the great equalizer is? When you look where you came from. Then you don't get lifted up above your brother, above your sister. When you look and you reverence what God did for them, that God did for me, and you begin to put yourself on a level that God can use you. And so Lincoln would, would go on and say, he would say, it was, this nation was conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can endure. I'll say it this way, the message, the enemy is coming against the message to see if the message holds. And the message will hold because God promised it. And he promised it because it's going to live in people. It's not just going to be a form. It's going to be a reality where they're going to exhibit deep love, deep care for one another. Where they're going to reverence the word and stand on the word. I don't want to go back to where I came from. If you find yourself slipping every once in a while and then God gives you grace, I'll tell you what, there is a great appreciation. Oh God, let me stay under this fountain. Don't let me drift off here. Don't let me drift off there. But oh God, let me stay under this, in this channel. Lincoln would go on to say, We are met on a great battlefield of that war. And now we have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those here that gave their lives that that nation might live. So what are we doing? We're dedicating a part of our lives for those that have gone before us. I don't know if we could look beyond the curtain of time Sister Ansa, Brother John passed away, what is it, 10 years ago? Brother John Ogoo. If we could look and we could see him looking down and what he labored for and what he fought for, he would be encouraging us. If we could see some of those that used to be in our midst, we would, we would, we would just begin to say, hang on a second, this is more than just my daily walk. There's something I'm carrying that, that, that is, 
is, is far greater than what I've borne in my own life. But it's something God has passed down to us where we're at today. Now, and Lincoln would actually say in, in that same speech, he would say, we cannot begin to dedicate this ground. It's hallowed far beyond any words we can say. It's got the blood of those that gave for this country. Now, that's a country, a natural country. But what about those that have given their lives for the gospel? Oh, friends, we are standing on holy ground. We, it's not just a song. It's a truth. And, and so I'm saying all of this. My main thought is, is you've got to look back and remember where you came from. We were just talking yesterday a little bit, and, and uh, there's a couple of good testimonies that are out there. One is Brother David McGarry. You can look on YouTube, and you look it up. It's under Forgotten Testimony. But Brother David McGarry, he talks about how God brought him out and how he led him and, and did things. And it's, I'll tell you what, you just listen to that, and you get a picture of what God has done for one life. And then you begin to think of what God has invested in our lives. And we could go from pew to pew and from seat to seat, and you could begin to do that. And then just recently, Brother Derek Paris, uh, a brother that is well known to some of us who love coffee, <laughs> also well known to us, some of that like singing. Brother Derek used to be in, in Washington and up in the Cloverdale area, and he ran the, the Bible Way camp for many years, but he was also a song leader. And then during COVID, he began to, to start a coffee business that was roasting coffee. And, and while we were by there, I've, I've loved it ever since. I still got a little bit left, and he's now moved to Louisiana, but he shared his testimony, him and his wife. And as I just began to listen to that here, and I just began to weep and think, oh, God, how you deal with hearts and how you move. And I, I just said, oh, God, let us not forget, but let us remember and let us take that with us. And let us not only reverence what we project and give back to him, but let us also do it for one another. Now, I, I need to move along I didn't intend to just reflect, but here Paul is saying this, and, and Paul, something was ingrained in him, something reflected in him, and, and, and even to the very end of his life, and then Brother Branham would talk a little bit about Christ. I think we need to see Christ in how he reflects in each other. I see Christ in you, you see him in me. And I come to the meeting, I start preaching, I watch the people. I can tell if they're interested or not. You can tell whether you're boring them or not. But the first thing you know, you see some of them there hanging on to words, under expectation. I'm longing to see Christ reflected in that person. When I preach the gospel, I want to see Christ reflecting in me. That means Christ is in our midst. I, he says, I want to see that. I want to receive something from him. And he says, the best billboard we have today is Christ that lives the same as he did back there in a man today. Then we can see the power of God move. Then we can see him heal the sick, reveal the secrets of the heart. But he has to reflect himself. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a lot here in all of this, but let's, let's just go on. I need to, to take a couple of scriptures. My, 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 I'm... 
I'm going to just skip a couple, Sister Ruth. I'm going to go directly to the book of Deuteronomy, if I can. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, Deuteronomy is an interesting book because out of the, the five books of Moses, as it's written, Deuteronomy is the last book of Moses. It was actually preached in the last month before God took him away. And he was speaking it not to the generations before or a record of what happened before, but he was preaching it to a generation that was going to move in and possess the land. And he's giving them instruction. Now, it wasn't just military instruction, but it was the manner in which they should do it and that they should remember that which was behind them that brought them to this place. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, let's just pick this up in verse 10. Now, Paul, sorry, Moses says, When you have eaten and you are full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he giveth thee. That was a brother who came overseas from Africa. We went out for, for dinner. There was another brother with us. We prayed for the meal. We had the meal. We enjoyed the meal. And we're about to get up. And he says, Brothers, can we just stop for a minute? Can we thank God for what he's just given us? That we enjoyed this meal and this fellowship. And he goes back to this scripture. And he did it. And I thought, God bless that brother. Because, you know, one of the greatest generals that ever was, was Stonewall Jackson. And one day they asked Stonewall Jackson, What's the secret to your success? He says, before I even take a cup of water, I thank God for it. It's important that we remember him. Not just when we have needs, but when we're full. We need to remember him that we don't get lifted up or puffed up. But God, you took me from a rock. And I'm here by your grace. And I want to thank you for that, Lord. I want to remember you today for that. So when you've eaten, you're full. You shall bless God. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments which I command thee this day. So he's, he's speaking as Paul is, sorry, as Moses is to a generation. The old fighters have died off and he's giving them instruction. This is what you're going into. And he says in verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statues which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and you're full and you've got goodly houses and you're dwelling and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. What an instruction. What a characteristic of our humanity. When we're needy, we're found in the house of God. When we're full, ah, it's just a Wednesday. No, I want to be here all the time. I want to remember him all the time. And he says, now, that you forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now really, it's kind of almost an anomaly because he's speaking to a, a group here that probably maybe some of them never saw the Red Sea. 
Some of them, they had journeyed 40 years through the wilderness, and they'd only heard the stories. They'd only heard those things, and, and it was something they had never seen. My, my our, Brother Dan, we were just talking about our family. They, when, when I came, I heard stories of what our grandmother went through, and what my mother, and, and what your, your father went through. And, and we came there, and I remember it reflected in the way she did things. And, you know, she'd buy butter, and she'd tell us, don't waste bread, don't throw it away, and don't, don't put too much on, put it thin. You know, it's got to go a long ways. Well, it was ingrained in her by what she grew up with. And some of that passed on to me. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I was taught, you know, go to school, don't throw away things and don't do those things. Well, I'm glad she taught me that. And, and, and if you have, and, you know, and, and, and that's a part of it. Now I'm talking naturally, but also spiritually. That it's God that has brought us. You know, friends, we, 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 have, we always look to the elder to be the prayer warriors. We always look to the elder to have the words of wisdom, but... There's some of the younger ones here that God is raising up to be the same. There's some that need to know and understand. There's a transition that's going on. And we're going to need somebody to pray. We're going to need somebody to stand in the gap. We're going to need somebody to have character. We're going to need something that will carry the message forward. So it's not just coddling and, 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 and allowing, you know, just, just stay there. You're, you're nice. You're on the message. No, let's build up this church. Let's build up in our families, in our homes. Let's build up what God can do. So here Moses is telling them, this, this group, you know, I always, something God put in my heart when I came in was, to sit at the feet of the elder and listen to testimonies and to learn. And I think I, I, I still feel that way. That's actually part of my reason for having Brother Ray Erickson here. I want him to speak to us as ministers. I want him to speak to us as a congregation. But I'm not just leaving it there. I'm also having his grandson come, who is one of the young ones who has learned and is carrying on. And I believe that message is enduring. And, I, and I, I believe that, that we ought to see the spectrum of where we are, whether you're on the bottom end or the top end. This message is God to this generation. So he says, verse 14, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, which brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who, fled thee, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do good at thy latter end. Now he's giving them this warning. And if you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Friends, the message we, we have on a phone or a tablet we didn't always have that. We, we had it in, in books. You know, they came from what was called spoken word publications. And you got one of those books, you were thrilled. You were happy. I, I, I have never thrown one of them out because I reverence them. And I reverence not only the books, but the underlining, the highlights that God made real to me in the season I lived in. It stays with me. 
Oh, it, it was a stepping stone in my life. But oh, I, it's, it's precious. And I would say, if you have this, don't just leave it here. But, but move into it in whatever way you can. You have a few minutes at the bank? Instead of scrolling social media or the news, why don't you just read a little bit of a message? You have a few minutes that you're just waiting on something? Why don't you read a little bit of that? I'm just with Brother Tim the other day, and Brother Tim is, we're in the office, he's doing something, and he's listening to a message, and I'm asking for a passcode, and, and, and uh, I'm, I, it was last Wednesday, I believe, and I'm asking for a passcode and for the Wi-Fi because I didn't have it on my phone, and so he said, here, it's on my phone. I said, here, take this, and, and I'm going, and so as I take the phone over, I'm listening to the message, I'm thinking, hey, this is good. This will fit into the service tonight. <laughs> so God bless you, Brother Tim, for that. <laughs> And, and you know what, I, I, I've just seen it. I call them sometimes, and there's a tape on in the background. I said, what a testimony. That's wonderful. Oh, let that be said of us. You know, I, I'm glad when God got a hold of my son. He's not here tonight, so I can say this. But when he got a hold of my son, 6 a.m., he was listening to a podcast of Jason DeMars in eastern, in eastern United States. And then I could hear him on his knees praying because God got a hold of him. Oh, man, that means something to me. That's, that's the message Carrying on. Brother Branham, he, so, so in the message here, let's, you say the power and the might of my hand. Verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto his fathers as this day. And it shall be, if thou shalt do, and forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against thee, you shall surely perish. And as the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall you perish, because you would not be obedient to the Lord. Let's just go right into verse 9. Hear, O Israel, chapter 9 rather. Thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go in and possess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fenced up to heaven. Sometimes we just feel this little touch of pride. I got more than people out there do. And we just kind of sit on it. I don't think that's the attitude that God's telling these people. You want to be humbled? Go to one of the soup stands, brother. Marshall puts up. And look at people and start to say, that could be me. And what can I do to help people? And, and start to do that. Brother Tom Ray, he, he, he had his sons grow up in the message, and they lived in a good house. They lived in a good church. And, and, and I don't, he says, they didn't appreciate it. So one day, I drove to downtown Vancouver to Hastings Street, where they have the drug addicts in the back alleys taking shots. And I drove them down there, and I said, except that God had come. In, in your forefathers, you could be here. And he began to show them, and they began to understand a little bit of what we've got. We need to treasure what we've got. God is, look at what was labored. Brother Harold labored here. Other men labored here. Walter Kesser and Lawrence Kesser, and, and there was prayer warriors. I'm not going to let that die. I want us to move forward with that. Let's raise up a little higher. Brother, this is just a Wednesday. Don't get excited. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's a Wednesday. Now verse 2. A people, great and tall, the children of the Anakins, where you know and you heard who can stand before the children of Anak. Understand therefore this day 
And I say, understand, end time message tabernacle, 2023. You are here privileged, but don't think for a moment you're entitled. Understand that the Lord thy God goes before you as a consuming fire. He'll destroy them. He shall bring them down before your face. You will drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said unto thee. Speak not in your heart the thoughts. After the Lord God has cast them out saying, for my righteousness. (laughs) It's like the woman that came to Brother Branham. You know, she was going to get married and she had a husband who was divorced. He says, I know it says that, but God loves me so much. He's allowing me to do it. I'll tell you what, you need a reality check, lady. No, because I am here, God had me in mind, and I'm privileged. You know, I'll say this, you ought to be humbled and say, oh, where are we standing? God, we're standing on the precipice. What can I do, oh God? What, what, what can I do to thank you for this honor and, and for what I have? And he began to, so here, here he's saying, for your, my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of this nation, did the Lord drive them out. Not for your righteousness, nor the uprightness of your heart. Did you go in and possess? But the, wicked of these nation, the wickedness of these nations, did the Lord God drive them out from thee to perform the word which he swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now there's much I could read in all of this, but I need to move it along. I want to just jump ahead. Deuteronomy 15. Just, I know I'm taking a lot of scriptures, but just, I trust you're catching this a little bit. Numbers 15, verse 15. Now, it's not just where you came from, but what was your position? Verse 15. You shall remember you were a bondman in the land of Egypt. You were in captivity. I was enslaved to alcohol or to the things of the world and whatever. I was a slave. And all of Israel was a slave. And, and it's funny how quickly people forget because the spirit that rose up in the camp, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Oh, they've got leeks and they've got garlic. What about the taskmasters? What about the whips and the stripes on your back? What about these things? Do you really want to go back to the world? Or do you want to just stay where God has put you? And he says, you shall remember you were a bondman. And the Lord redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing this day. And it shall be if he say unto thee, I shall not go away from thee because he loveth thee in thine house because all is well with thee. I, I, this is, I actually get into a different thought. I'm not going to be able to read all of this, but you can read verse 1 to 15. And it talks about the law. This is under the law. And I'm not going to read all of this, but it says, you know, the Jews are notorious for one thing. They really watch their money. They're, 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 you, everywhere you go, well, it's just Jewish, and that's what they are. And, but here God is dealing with the Jews under the law and saying, now, don't exact to your neighbor. But he says, furnish them liberally. You, you know, you've got to, you, 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 you leave some in your crop for the stranger and the wayfarer and leave something. You're in the message. 
Give a little out here. Give a little out there. Don't just leave it for here, for me and my family. No, we've been given a responsibility. We're coming up to some meetings. If God has laid somebody in your heart, just invite them. Whatever will happen, will happen. And I, we've got some, some cards there, and you, you free, feel free to take it. I've got PDF copies. You feel free to do it. But just invite somebody. Let's, let's not just be idle. We're in the final season. We're in the final push. We've got to see who God has yet here. So he, he, he tells them, you know, if there's somebody poor, verse, verse uh, 7, there's a poor man within your gates. You shall, A, not harden your heart. Not like the Samaritan that, that you know, or, or the... The man who was caught in, in, in the parable in Matthew and, and, and uh, the priest went by and it's the parable of the Samaritan. But they, they saw him and they crossed the street so they wouldn't have to look at him. Oh, I, that would never happen within the message, Brother Ed. Oh, yeah? We're human, just as human as anybody else. Sometimes it's good to get down low. Lower than your comfort zone allows you sometimes. And he says... You shall not harden your heart, nor shut thy hand from thy poor brother. In fact, let not your left hand know what your right hand's doing sometimes. Because if beware that there be a thought in thy wicked heart, because now it's the year of the seventh release. Well, I'm going to milk this guy all I can before I got to let him go. No, you got the wrong attitude to begin with. The seventh year was the year of equalization. That was a year of release. The seven times seven was the year of Jubilee. It was God putting everything back on a level playing field again. And, and, and he, he would just talk on different things, so I won't have time to get it. Jump over to Numbers chapter 24. Numbers 24. Let's just drop to verse 18. I had a number of scriptures here I could read, but I won't read them all. Thou shalt remember thou wast a bonds, bondman in Egypt. If you have a chance to listen to either of these testimonies, Brother David McGarry, Forgotten Testimony, or Brother Derek Paris, just listen to those and start to just take some time and then begin to think about what God did for you. If you ever go, want to go beyond that, go listen to Life Story of Brother Branham. It's the most heartbreaking story you can ever have. And he says his wife was taken from him. He says, I didn't understand it all then. But many years later, in 1964, in the message Shalom, sometimes he says, we ask, why did this happen? Why did this happen? When I was a young minister, why did God take my wife right out from under me, my baby right from beneath me, right beneath my heart? Why did he do that? I don't know, but I do now. I don't know what he came to, but I do now. Oh, and I love him more than I've ever loved him. Paul, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He said, I just held my hand in his and kept trusting. He knows every junction. He knows the rhythm. He knows what it takes to mold you. He knows what kind of material he's going to use. Don't despise the testings and the trials of the Lord. Verse 18, you shall remember you were a bondman in Egypt. The Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, therefore, 
your attitude towards certain tasks needs to change. Not what the world does. Well, they did wrong, therefore I'm entitled to... No, that attitude needs to disappear from this church. Oh, it's our church only. No, there's other believers in other churches. And we need to respect what God is doing in them and don't put anybody out because of it. And if somebody has left, don't talk against them, but lift them up in prayer. We are, li- we are coming into not just filial love, brotherly love, but agape love. It's a higher love than before. So he says in verse 19, Let me just say this, this, whether it may be appropriate at this time or not, but Sister Lydia's in the hospital. Her husband, Brother Reinhold, passed away a couple of years ago. Maybe never really saw the message. And as much as we tried to convince him, we tried to do things, when he was on his deathbed in the hospital, I was there talking to him, and he started talking about his early childhood and how God dealt with him. And he says, something warmed in my heart and I wanted to serve him. I said, oh, God bless you for that. Maybe that's your moment. And that's what God will define your life by. And I'll honor that. And I'll respect that. We can easily, oh, somebody doesn't have the revelation. They just don't see it. No. Let God do what he's going to do. Let God judge what he's going to judge. We don't know. None of us is called to be that kind of a judge. God knows that. So he says, when, now, if he's, you are a bondsman, now here. When you're cutting down your harvest and you forgot a sheaf in the field, don't go and fetch it. Leave it there. Could you imagine some Jews laying awake at night? <sighs> I really want to get that. <sighs> God knows how to do things. It's not only Jews, it's probably some Scottish and a few other people that would struggle with that too. Maybe even a few Germans that like order. You know, they would struggle with that. No, it shall be for the stranger. It shall be for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of your hands. Furthermore, when you're beating the olive tree, don't go over the boughs again. You, you did it once, don't go and do it again. I'm going to milk this for all it's worth. No, don't do it. It shall be for the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. And when you gather the grapes in the vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. And now again, full circle, you shall remember you were a bondman in the land of Egypt. We're coming into the maturity of the message And sometimes we just carry ourselves a little too high. Oh, God, don't let me just live off of a past glory, but let me be humble. Let me me come into your presence. Break me down a little bit more. Let Let me just be a little kinder, a little humbler, a little simpler. Let me just be Christ. You know, we just need to remember where we came from. Instead of condemning, and you know what we'll do? Sometimes we won't condemn the person that isn't quite there yet. We'll remember where we were. Lord, I struggled for a long time. Would you help that person? We could read, we could read much more. I want to just go quickly to Joshua chapter 
4. I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures. I won't read them all. Joshua chapter 4, verse 4. Joshua called 12 men, which he prepared out of the children of Israel, out of every tribe. And he says in verse 5, Pass before the ark of the Lord your God. Go in the midst of Jordan. Get every one of you a stone upon your shoulder, according to the number of tribes, that this may be a sign for you when your children ask your fathers in the time to come, what do these stones mean? We need to remember the testimonies. We need to remember the labors that have gone before us. Stones are decisions. Stones are our labors. We, we need to remember that we have fought to get to this place and we're not going to let down the bar now. Because there'll come a time when the children ask, why are you so hard on this? Because this spirit came through the church back then and this happened and, and we had to stand for a principle. And we have to stand for principles now. And it says, you, and, and Joshua would say, take these stones. I won't read up to verse 7, but these stones shall be a memorial. Drop down to verse 19. And the people came up to Jordan on the 10th day in the first month and encamped in Gilgal. Gilgal has a whole meaning. I won't go into it today. And these 12 stones which they took out of Jordan, Joshua did pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children, saying, When your children ask their fathers into time to come, what do these stones mean? Then your children say, Israel came over Jordan on dry land. A supernatural God moved on our behalf. And he's still in our midst to now. He's not a God of history. He's a God of the present. His word is true. His promises are true. Take him at his word. Don't sit idle and just read history lessons. But it's a memorial that you tuck in your heart. Verse 24, that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Now, let me just conclude. I wanted to come down to this part. I took a long time getting to it. But go back with me to Numbers chapter 4. Last week we took a little thought and we brought in the sons of Korah. I'm going to come back to that today. I just want to take this for a moment. Numbers chapter 4. Now, And the Lord spake, verse 1, unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, after their families by the house of their fathers, from 30 years old and upward even unto 50 years, all that enter unto the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, remember, Levi had three sons. He had Kohath. He had uh, the other ones which were in Mariah. And, and then the other one was the Ger Gershonites. So these were the three, but Kohathites were the ones that had a special task. Now all of them had an integral task. One group, I think the Gershonites, they had to take care of the linens and everything of the tabernacle. Then the other group had to take care of, of the framework and, and, and the posts and everything. But the Kohites, they had to take care of 
covering the glory of God. And they couldn't do what the other two did, which was carry it on, 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 on carts. They had to carry it by hand. In other words, it had to be born upon them. It had to become a part of them. So this was a higher order of, of, of people and service to God. And if you look, the bride of Christ ministers to him. They don't just sit back like the denominational world and, well, whatever he does for us. No, they actually minister to him. I won't have time to get into Daniel, but the book of Daniel tells it so well. And now here he, these, these group of people, verse 4, this shall be the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. Now, I, I'm not going to read all of this, but he talks about how whenever you move the tabernacle, you've got to hold a cloth over it. You gotta just keep the glory of it. And 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 you've got to take not just the badger skins, but th- there's a linen cloth of blue underneath it. And you've got to spread it on the dishes and the bowls. And you know, this goes right into our lives. And it says, it's not just what you do in church, but it's what you do at home. It's what you do in, in, in your altar. It's how you treat one another. It's 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 actually sacred. And that's what we've been called to: sacredness, holiness. And he's telling them. Now you've got to take all of these, you know, in verse 9, you'll take that cloth of blue and cover the candlesticks and all the oil vessels where they minister unto it. And Now I, I, I don't have the time to go into tonight, but he goes and tells them how they got to do all of this, verse 15. And when Aaron and his sons had made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is set forward, the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Now, they're not Eleazar. They're not of the priesthood. But they're a part, a sacred part of the working of all that God is doing. And you might say, hey, I'm, I'm not in this whole thing the way you are, Brother Ed. I'm not the way Brother Branham was. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a... That doesn't matter. We are all called to this order. We're all called to how we conduct ourselves in our office, in whatever our service is. There's a manner in which we conduct ourselves. And he says now, in verse 16, And to the office of Eleazar and the son of Aaron the priest pertains the oil for light, the sweet incense, the daily meat offerings, the anointing oil, the oversight of the tabernacle, and all that there is in the sanctuary, all the vessels. And the Lord spake unto Moses, to Aaron, Cut you not off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. So God gave this command way before Korah ever rose up. Hey, the same God that could look at Abraham paying tithes and said, I'm looking down your lineage and I see Levi paying tithes. Abraham, that's the same God that's giving this command. We're not here by our own merit. Not because we performed a little better. But we're here because God saw us in this age and in this time. And that we've got a service to perform in this age. Not just to the bride body, but to the people that we associate with. And he says now, thus, verse 19. But thus do unto, the, do unto them that when they may live and not die, that they approach unto the most holy things... Aaron and his son shall go in and appoint them every one to his service and to his burden. And they shall not go in to see the things, holy things when they're covered. Uh, not to go in when the holy things are covered lest they die. And then he goes on to tell the other things. Now, it's in Numbers 26 that Korah rose up and we went through all of that last week. 
But now, it's many years later. And we read how out of this lineage, and even at the time of the punishment, the punishment did not go to the same as the, to the families of, of Dathan and, and Korah's families were actually spared. Because God saw a purpose that they would come with. So now, years later, and out of that comes Elkanah. And Elkanah, he has two wives, and one of them uh, was, 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 was Hannah. And, and, and out of that lineage comes a prophet, Samuel. So now God is beginning to take away the reproach of that whole lineage by what Korah had done. Friends, there's been even within the ranks of our message, there's been things that have been a reproach. And we bear them. Brother Bram said, if you're an American, I take all her glory. But I also bear all her reproach. But with the reproach, we learn and we move forward. And we say, there is something God has. And he purposed. And I will fulfill that purpose. So now, out of this comes this lineage. And, and out of Samuel. And that's, that's many generations later. And out of that now comes David. And David, now he's remembering God, God has got an order. And David is a musician. David is a warrior. David is a repenter. David is many things. You want to type, many of us like David because of one aspect or another, but we need to take everything. But now David, let's, as I wind my thought down, go to Psalms 42. So, this is David now. And these lineage of the Koalites are not just identified as Koalites, but they're identified as the sons of Korah. God doesn't perform a cancel culture. He, he says, no, you've, you've borne that, but you've borne that for a reason because it's going to cause you to serve better. It's going to cause you to take that and you'll be able to serve me better. And now part of serving him better was even in music. So Psalms 42, if you read, it says, To the chief musician, musician Mashiel, for the sons of Korah. As the heart. So look at the context of the songs. The songs are because they would be able to sing a song that others in the tribe could not sing. Brother Bannon will say, angels will hear us sing amazing grace and they won't know what we're talking about because God wants to bring that out of our lives. He wants it to be a glory and a praise to him. It's not a burden. It's not a shame. It's a part of the grace of God that comes out. So the song is, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul. My soul thirsteth for God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat. I don't know what they carried with them. Oh, you're the, you're the great, great, great grandson of Korah. Yeah, yeah. No, they had to bear that and say, I am not the same as that generation. I'm in a further form, and God has appointed me to live higher than that. And he goes on and says, my tears have been my meat. In verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone within the multitude. 
I went within the house of God with the joy and praise with a multitude that kept thy holy day. If you, if you just begin to take Psalms 42, Psalms 44, Psalms 44, again, to the sons of Korah. We have heard with our eyes, O God. Our fathers have told us what work you did, how you drove out the heathen, how you planted them, how you did afflict the people and cast, how they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thy arm and the light of thy countenance. Thou art my king, O God. This is a song they could sing, and only they could sing. Friends, there's a song that only the bride can sing, that the other, the nations cannot sing, that the Muslims won't be able to sing, that the denominations won't be able to sing, but there's a song that the bride can sing. Oh, I came from this rock. I came from this pit. But oh, praise God. Look where I am today. I say this. If you have forgotten, go back. And start to think on it. Start to remember it. And then when you come in prayer complaining, you'll say, Oh God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're doing. And I know you will take care of this now. I don't have time to get into the Feast of Tabernacles and how Israel came back in at that time, but it was with a song. And it was a different thing, but Psalms 42, Psalms 44, Psalms 46 as the musicians come. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah. God is our refuge. And our strength. And a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear. Though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Oh, I could take you right back to Psalms 50, or Isaiah 51 now, because that was the context of Isaiah 51, when he would say, look to the rock, to the hole, and in verse 3, the Lord will comfort Zion, and out of her waste places, he'll make a desert like a garden. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, and thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. Oh, the lineage of Korah didn't think there'd ever be a song there again, but there's a song there again. Oh, the sons of Adam never thought that there'd be a song in their lives, but there's a song again. And in this church, you've come from places, I've come from places, but there's a song because of what our God has done. I won't read all of this. Verse 7, oh sorry, verse 6. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that I am God. Let's stand together. I wish I could have the young people come and sing a song right now. They sang it uh, at our convention last year. We will remember. We will remember the works that you have done. Brother Michael, I know your son sang it, but I'm not going to put that pressure on you. Sister Julia's here, though. <laughs> and there's other young people. I won't do that. Let's just sing, He Brought Me Out of the Miry Clay. Did he bring you out? Is there a song in your heart today? Oh, is there something that makes you reverence him? Let's sing this.
My heart was distressed in Jehovah's dread frown, and lo, in the pit where my sin dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep, miry clay, who tenderly brought me out The strong rock by his side, my steps were established, and here I'll abide. No danger of falling, while here I remain, but stand by his grace until the crown I gain. Stay. He put a song in my soul. Today. 